Greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining us once again on Inside LAFC subcategory Max and Vince podcast abbreviation MVP. Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, That's too much to put on one title page. Right. Our parents just knew what to do. MVP. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll that's a lot of forethought if you think about it because we're old. I'm older than you. I'm just feeling that because I had my birthday. So, you know. Yeah. Well, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Uh, It gets worse, just so you know. Last week, you told me it was going to be the best years of my life. The 40s are are good. As I get creeping up a little bit closer to the 50s, I'm like, those aren't going to be that great. They'd be better than they used to be a generation ago, 50s now, but... I must have caught you on a good day. Nah, now, man. Now, now you're giving me mixed signals, man. Well, I go on Twitter sometimes. You see people, you know, in their 60s. Uh, that's not going to be me. <laughs> no. You, I don't know. <laughs> you take all those vitamins. I take all those vitamins. I worked out this morning. I feel great. Yeah, all the vitamins. All right. My body was aching, but I feel good. So, um, all right. Here we are. We're in the uh, 818 offices. So, yes. we're doing it because... First podcast from the 818 office first, downtown. But, and we're here also because... The guys are continuing the road trip. They are yes. in Philadelphia or getting there. They'll probably have some time off here. No, they're they, in Philadelphia. They're in Philadelphia, so they're enjoying the beautiful city of Philadelphia. Yeah. Go run the steps, they the did. Rocky steps. Check out if you, uh, I'm sure many of you that listen to this podcast follow Diego Rossi or Eddie Segura, uh, Josh Perez on Instagram. They all ran the uh, Rocky steps yeah. and checked out the statue. And that's about all you can do in Philadelphia. I'm just kidding. It's yeah. a lovely I mean, city. They, they it's not Los Angeles for stuff to do. Yeah. They can't eat cheesesteaks. Not do, in the diet. Do you know if people from Philadelphia? No. I mean, They're my, very proud to be from Philadelphia. They are. Actually, you know, you know I knew one More guy. so than almost any city except for, I think even more than Boston. I used, to, I used to guitar tech for a band and a guy, Christian Martucci, who still plays music. Great guy. Um, yeah, dude from Philly. Very proud. Very proud of the city. They, great music scene from Philadelphia. Great musicians that come out. Uh, uh, the arts, a lot, like Bradley Cooper yeah. is like probably the most prominent uh, a guy, but it's like Kevin Hart. A lot of people in every walk of entertainment life are from Philadelphia, but they all live in LA now. Well, they're interesting oxymorons is they are both proud of Philly and hate it at the same time. Yeah. They go, ah, we love Philly. Philly for... Oh. I'm gonna move to LA. <laughs> yeah. You talking? You talking crap on Philly? Only I can talk crap on Philly. I'm not talking crap. But New Yorkers, I was in Miami. I go New York. I lived when I grew up in Miami. New York's the best. I go well. Why aren't you up there? Well, <laughs> the weather. Okay, that's what I thought. End of the day, the weather rules all. And I'm not making fun of New York. New York is the city that never sleeps. I'd say the greatest city in the world, except that is owned by Los Angeles. That's right. Fair. Just ask all the Philadelphians who, who move out here. All right, we'll talk about Philadelphia in a little bit, but they're out there enjoying it, so we can't be at Performance Center, so we're here, but we're going to make the most of it because coming up, we're going to interview the executive VP of Brand and Community. If you're listening to this podcast, a very, very good chance you know him and you love him, Rich Orozco. You have high-fived him at some point or gotten a, oh, yeah, yeah, something like that, a point, a wink, something. You've seen him. Another guy with a twin. Yeah. Mi- uh, Twins, Mitchell had a twin. The Parish twins. This is like a Stephen. We live in. Do you have a twin? No, I don't. But this is like a Stephen King novel. (laughs) I know it just came out, but uh, no, it didn't. I'm kind of worried about working here. 
So we'll talk about we'll talk about it. We're, I know we're really interested in hearing about the, the rivalry with the galaxy and see some maybe a couple good stories that have come out of what he has seen since taking since taking this very important post, with, which includes the supporters, which includes the connection, the brands, which the community, I should say, and also the brand, which he kind of oversees as well. Yeah, if you, you want know, somebody, that cool stuff, if you want somebody to give you a little lowdown on the pulse and heartbeat of this club. That is the man to talk to. Absolutely. All right, so just talk Orlando a little bit. Let's talk Orlando. All right, so I mean, a little bit of people aren't doing backflips. It's three games in a row where LAC has not won a game, but this was missing seven players. I thought it was a nice chance for Bob Bradley to be, uh, for lack of a better expression, the mad scientist with the thirteen field yeah. players he has and what he can do. And I, I, you know, he took some, he he made some adjustments which seemed to have worked, including moving Eddie Segura to the midfield, which I thought looked pretty natural. I feel like we got that half right. Because remember we talked Second about possibly was, having Danilo in at a, in at a six. We did, yeah. When Danilo comes in, I'm like, it's happening, it's happening. And then Eddie goes there. Hey, you look great. And then what happened? What happened? They pulled out the the Perez's. So the Perez's went out. Diego went back to his. He, we saw him as like a number ten role. He was which a, he scored the ten. equalizing goal. Not in that number ten role, but no. But that's true. Yeah. He moved up. He moved up. Uh, as uh, to that front line. I mean, all in all, I know people are disappointed because we haven't obviously won a game, and after you've been winning so many games, you're you're kind of bummed when you if you go three without. I thought if if I'm anybody, I'm Orlando. I'm disappointed. I'm at home. Yeah. And LA's, I think they are devastated. Yeah, they've got to be and, devastated. And I think there's a couple calls that should have been called their direction. Uh, one with the Tyler Miller play, but let's sweep that under the rug. Okay, but what about Adrian Perez? I don't know how offside he was on his second possible second goal I mean yeah. look it's a bad look for Orlando it's that's a must-win game and the first thing they do is rail on the referees look you had the game at your home stadium with five of our starters missing and we dominated most of the possession besides a minute besides a uh, just a span of like 10 minutes where the the team kind of lost some focus and I, I'm trying to work on something this week I don't know if it's going to get to come out but there's been a few kind of moments in the past couple of weeks where the defense is it's not like that they've been bad it's just it's like they've gone blind for a second and just kind of lost a, a little bit of focus, didn't get tight to men. We can say, you know, you never want to concede right after you score. You no. just can't. But see, let's talk about that because they reset it and you want to be, you want the guys to be, whether were they 100% attentive? Probably not. But that deflection off Latif was very strange. It rolled right into the feet of Nani. No, it did. There were, they, look, there was a lot of bad luck. And I would say that's also been... That's like how much... Let's put a percent. I'd say it's 80% bad luck and yeah. 20% not being attentive. Well, I went back I went back in the last 10 games and looked at every goal lsu has been scored on. And I'm kind of dividing it up into categories. And there's been three categories I could kind of put goals into. There was uh, transition kind of, you know, moments where they just kind of didn't do their job properly. There's a quite a few bad luck moments where just weird tips and then there's some galazos there's some absolute great goals you can put the first laton goal orlando's in there. second goal put them yeah was, put, it was an lafc goal it was pretty good i i that straddle so some of to me some straddled multiple categories i think that orlando goal is, is a well-worked goal but at the same time a little bit of lack, lack of focus like you're 25 yards out from your goal get close to guys you've got it same thing with i'd say yes very bad touch but i even wrote in the takeaways and and this is something that that tristan is learning a newer position but you gotta just you gotta put a hand on Nani. Like he's running free. No one even yeah. touches him. Just reach out there and let him know you are you're there. It's almost like a I don't want to bring up an NFL 
you know, college football thing, but it's that DB that just when the guy's getting, the receiver's getting close to him, just put a hand on him. You don't foul him. You're only allowed to do you, it for five yards and then you got to unhand that well, receiver. Well, you're only allowed to, to push and wrestle with him for five yards, but you can definitely do a little hand check. Um, cautiously. Cautiously. Well, that's what you do. Very right? cautiously. You don't, go, you don't go to floor Nani, but you go and you tell him, hey, I'm here. You, you maybe knocks him off a stride just a little bit. I'm just saying, if he gets a free run like that, you just can't have it. And I don't care if it tips. If he's running towards you, just put your hand out. Let him know, look, I'm not going to let you just run up on me and then be able to run right by me. So a little bit of, you know, one half, you know, I, bake, I don't even know, Baker's dozen, one half yeah. the other. I don't, how do the sayings go, Max? You're, uh, good. You're good with those. Six and one, half a dozen. No, six and one. Tw- six and half a dozen of the other? Six and one, half a dozen in the other. Sure, whatever. <laughs> in the other. How would you call that? I'll tell you, six to one, tick six to some, half a dozen to the other. Yeah. That's what they'd say all the time. What was it? Remember those? Not to get off topic. I say that all the time on this podcast. Uh, the growing up on these English broadcasters for the Premier League, the, the little yeah. cliches they would Please use. All sixes and sevens. Six and sevens. My personal favorite. Oh, that's the cat amongst the pigeons, right there. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that's a, that definitely is the cat amongst the pigeons. You know what I was thinking about? Don't the, eat those pigeons, cat. If we want to just stay off topic, I just want to say one more because we're on a podcast. I was thinking about somebody saying, I've got a face for radio. Are we going to have to say a face for podcasts? Someone said that to you? No. Yeah, they shouldn't. You, you, How no, dare they? You, you, I'm just saying, I was thinking about it the other I day. I mean, you're no Bradley Cooper, but you got your yeah. charm. Well, who is? Mm. I don't even think Bradley Cooper is Bradley Cooper. No, he's not. Yeah. Unless well, he has that good beard. Then yeah. He looks really cool. All right, let's get back on. Back All on. right, so back Orlando. on there. And it was the LAFC faced in Orlando. I was intrigued because I goes, Orlando City going to do what Minnesota did a week earlier? They did not. They nope. came out. They kind of played. Uh, then they went up 2-1, and they did. They kind of got back a little bit. They bossed a little bit, but then they kind of dropped off. Look, again, it's a game you have to win, and you're going to drop yeah. off like that at home with yeah. Nani on the pitch? Nani's clearly the most experienced, best player on the pitch at that moment. And you're not going to try to go at them when you seem seemingly have a team that's missing players, kind of mixed up, and where they're supposed to be on the ropes. And you, yeah. you got look. I thought that Lee Win and my favorite part of this was Lee Win and Latif is that kind of band of midfield too. I didn't see them get overrun at all. Yeah, you know they kind of bought. We kind of bossed the game. I'm not. I, no, they I, did, but they, that they might be a little. Do, and I thought black and gold spin on it, but I think all things considered. We had some we had some chance. A couple I did miss because we had some technical difficulties. YouTube TV, and if you watch the YouTube TV broadcast, I apologize for that. It happens from time to time, and we do have every LAFC game on YouTube TV. I encourage you to check us out. We have a big broadcast uh, this Saturday at uh, Philadelphia. We do the games here in LA, so you know I'm not yeah. hiding anyone. So I'm gonna be doing it's that something game. About games in Florida, it seems like there's something. I am relieved not it to spend like a, two days. It's in, like a Bermuda Triangle out there, right? So I'm really. By the way, I'm going to the Philadelphia game, doing it for your, out of the, the Univision Studios. I will be then taking an Uber Wait, to so go you, see are, Iron Maiden. Oh no, no, no that's not, I thought you were saying you were going to Philadelphia. No, You're I'm not going to Philly. No, I wouldn't no. mind. It's a lovely stadium they have there. It's a little bit off the beaten path, but they're a good team. We'll talk about them. Um, Finish your thought. I know you were talking about um, bossing the game. I mean, they, they did. There was chan- There was definitely chances. But I think if on the balance of things, if you closed your – no, you can't close your eyes. If you took the team names off the jerseys and, and mixed up the colors, you was, I would have told you which team's dominating. You would have said LAFC has had a majority of the ball, seems to be the more proactive side, seems to be the side with more to lose. And that should, I just feel like that should not have been the case. I think that's a great point, Vince. I think that's a great point because this is it. This was the Super Bowl for Orlando City. You have to win this game. And I think what I take away from it is that LAFC found a way to 
not lose back-to-back games, so they can say that. And look, this was a spot where I said, "All right, it's gonna," and you have the, you have the built-in excuses. Yeah, we're missing so and so and so and so. And don't. In addition to the international absentees, Carlos Vela and Carlos Vela, we can tell you is now. Uh, en route or in Philadelphia. He's in Philadelphia. He's in Philadelphia to join the guys and we'll see how many of the national team players do it. We assume all of them, really, because they all play on a Tuesday. All of them will be back, but as as we've talked about in past windows, past times, the guys coming back from injury, they need to be evaluated first. We don't just take them back and say, hey, Get your boots on. Yeah. Let's go. They're going to be evaluated, and we'll see how much they can contribute. So you look at what the national – some of the guys who started, maybe they don't start the second game. They won't have logged so many minutes. They'll be available. Edward Atuesta's already back. He's already back. Okay. Uh, so I, we'll, we'll talk about that. captain of his national team, by the way. I, I, again, uh, this was that's fantastic. I, 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 w- I hope to see him in the Olympics next summer in Tokyo. I, I used to know where the Olympic sites were years in advance. I just realized it's in Tokyo. That's kind of cool. That is cool. We gotta talk How to many more Olympic games before that thing goes away? Who's yeah. going to afford an Olympic game? It's a big money maker. I know it's coming to LA. And I think after that, I'd be like, hey, it's a big, it's a money, big money spender. Yeah, not exactly for the cities, but it's a big money maker for somebody. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like our friends of FIFA. Anyway, um, two things I take away. You eliminated Orlando's playoff hopes, which I think is, is good. You'd say, look, we played you. You had a chance to get over, and it's over. Pretty much at our hands. And being able to avoid not losing back-to-back games. Last time they lost back-to-back games was the final game of last season and then the playoff game. So that's a bad habit. They've mm-hmm. avoided that habit all season. So I take those two things away from Orlando, and I'm like, job well done, guys. Yeah, and by way of a draw, I know it's very anticlimactic, but if Minnesota were to not get a win, they need to get all three points, the West will be clinched. So that you needed that point at least to kind of push you over that hump. Again, anticlimactic to win something when you're not even playing, but... You'll take it. Hashtag best in the West. Yep. Let her ride. All right, so one, let's talk about Philadelphia now. Let's talk a little, let's do a little Philadelphia before we get to Rich. Okay, Philadelphia, as pleasant a surprise as there's been in Major League Soccer, this was a franchise that uh, was rudderless. Uh, the players are bringing... It, what nothing was really working. They had much like Orlando. They had a fan base that was coming out and you could rely on, and that those numbers started to dwindle. They appointed Jim Curtin as a coach, American MLS, uh, a guy who has spent a lot of time as a player. He was a great defender here. Played he under was, uh, Bob Bradley. Yeah, learned, played under, Bob, under Bradley. Bob Bradley's tutelage. He put He's, him under the Bob Bradley tree. Yeah, with Jesse Marsh, Chris Armas. I mean, Bob Bradley's coaching tree. And I know somebody did it last year, and I apologize for not remembering who it was, but it was pretty impressive. They put together his coaching tree kind of next to Bruce Arena's, and I know we always talk about Bruce Arena, and look, they, they both belong in this conversation as the greatest American coach of all time, but look out for Bob, man, because his, his fingerprints are on a lot of guys that are doing a lot of things, and now, especially when you look at Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh has a in, chance to be the Europe. best young coach, American coach, because yeah. of the path he's taken. Exactly, and Bob, and that's a, a lot of Bob's DNA, and Bruce, too. Look, they, they both challenge the guys that they work with. They challenge each other when they worked with each other. They definitely are of the mindset that you have to be uncomfortable. You have to go out and do things that you don't want to do. And that's Jesse Marsh goes and says, I'm willing to leave my cushy gig with New York Red Bull to become an assistant for a chance to become a head coach in Europe. And he's got it. Yeah. Folks, listen to what Vince just said. Those are words. Young people out there, if you feel you're too comfortable and you need a challenge, take the challenge. It's worth it. Was like, you never, you may, you really would regret it. You go, maybe I left this, but I had a feeling I needed to challenge myself. And now my skin is thicker. My blood boils better. 
Yeah, this is a slight. I'm an adult. Slight aside. I know people are a little upset about Greg Berhalter and, and the U.S. team, and reading a lot of stuff on it, and a lot of overarching takeaways from just one match, one three nil match. I understand the results bad. I understand some of the play was bad, but some of the people saying like you shouldn't, you shouldn't play to a style that your players aren't ready for and that they're not used to. I guess maybe on national team, I get it. You don't have as much time with them, so maybe you can't develop them the same. But to say that you should only play to your team's strengths, I just. That just seems so antithetical to everything we've been learning over these past two years with Bob Bradley and, and the way he's challenged players and the way he's brought them up to, to say, look, I may not be able to do this now, but I will be able to. And this is to a greater goal, to a proactive football goal. It's not like we're learning to play in order to stifle teams. No, we're learning how to play to play. Right. So I just, again, I, I, I'm with people. It's disappointing to see that, that U.S. loss. But on the grand scheme of things, they gave up a goal in the first half, two goals kind of late-ish in the second half over on some weird mistakes. I don't think it was really all that bad. And, and look, I think it's a little worse than you do, but that's fine. Well, I think it's worse in mitigating in different, in, because of different circumstances. You wasted a year. You absolutely wasted a year. If Greg did this a year ago, we'd all be happy with it. But the fact that it's come now, it's, it's bad. But it's not as bad. We're not in World Cup qualifying yet. Also, the, the shenanigans with maybe not interviewing all the right coaches, those are separate issues. So I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to separate the actual philosophy and gameplay that he's putting out there with the separate issues that uh, uh, 100% undeniably U.S. soccer messed up. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get but back to But challenge your players. Challenge yeah, them. Challenge your players. They and like to be coached. We're recording this before they play Uruguay and St. Louis. Hopefully we see some, uh, some growth for the squad there. I, I would be surprised. If, well, Walker Zimmerman did get the start because John Brooks was injured. We'll see. I, I think most people feel, I feel he like probably there's won't be some start turnover. this game. So there yeah. should be some turnover. So. All right, back to Philadelphia. They uh, they brought in Marco Fabian to be mm-hmm. the big signing. He hasn't really panned out. He's been an injury issue. But they also brought yeah. in Ernst Tanner. That uh, was their big... And this is a guy who's made some really savvy moves bringing in players to fill gaps, including Kasper Przbilko, who's become their top scorer. A Polish striker who's been fantastic, but they have uh, they have other guys. I mean, Ilsenio was there, and I think with Marco Fabian not hitting it, Fafa Pico and other guys have all taken a big step forward. So right now they are second in the East, two points behind New York City FC. Three teams have pulled away in the East, which is nice. New York City FC, Philadelphia, and Atlanta. It's a nice ruling class trio ahead of DC United and the Red Bulls, etc., Philadelphia has a chance to make an MLS Cup. I'm not completely sold on them, but they're so highly improved. And playing in Philadelphia is going to be a huge game for them. So it becomes a big game for LFC. And with all their players coming in, I feel almost like a tinderbox moment of the season coming here in this game. And before I hand it off to you, Vince, I will say the LAFC also remains unbeaten against the Eastern Conference by tying Orlando. So these big games against top versus top or top teams, LAFC have won them all. They beat DC United at the beginning of the year. They beat Atlanta United. New York City FC, they went there and got a point. They do well against the top teams in the East and the top teams in the East. Yeah, I think if you're Philly, the one thing you're looking at is you're, you've been saying to people all year, we're for real, we're for real, we're for real. And they do look for real. They're in second, you, you can't argue with the table. The table, especially at this time of the season, is what it is and you are your record. But they're looking at it and they're saying, Man, we probably have to win this game to really, really convince people we're for real. Because people have said they've, they've listened to them before and Philly's let them down. So if you're Philly, this is a huge game. And, and, and for LAFC, I think it's just another matter of another team that's saying, we want to we show teams that we're for real. We're going to give you our best. LAFC has to, from probably week 
six of the season, every single team is thinking, all right, we got to knock off the best. They're the best. We're going to prove everyone by knocking you guys off. So that sets up for a really nice contest. And especially when you get an LFC team that's bringing back their players, an LFC team that when they go on the road does not change their style, which we will get into more with questions of people asking about the style, but they're going out there for three points. They're going to sit back in a shell. This is going to be a game. This is going to be toe-to-toe, punches thrown, that type of game. So I think this is... It's, it seems like in all the marquee matchups that LFC's come into, whether now whether they do well or not in them, obviously the, the Galaxy, they match at the Galaxy, then maybe even the Galaxy match at home, they don't always get the best results, but the game itself is a showpiece for MLS. And again, we've talked about it a lot, and we have obviously you know, can, black and gold color glasses on, but, and we want our team to do well, but in the grand scheme of things, MLS needs big games. Right. This is a good one. I'm this excited one. for this. Absolutely one. Again, and we'll learn a lot more about Philadelphia. because They've been a bit of a mystery, not just for us here in Los Angeles, but for all the league. People are learning about them, but they do have some names. Alejandro Bedoya, uh, who made a lot of news by screaming into the microphone yeah. uh, for the president to end gun violence. And that was, a good, that was an imp- interesting, important moment for Major League Soccer because it put it into the political crosshairs. So we know a little bit more about Philadelphia and they're not a perennial regular, a perennial playoff team. So this is, they need to finish the season well. And I know they're circling this game uh, for sure. Some young homegrown talent in the defense. Uh, Also, Aronson, that guy is a teenage kid. You got to see him. Number 10, uh, Montero's under the radar. Great pickup, international pickup that people had no clue who he was. And he seems to be one of the better kind of industrious kind of, you know, bruiser, box-to-box type midfielder types. I mean, they've got a solid team from top to bottom. It's going to be a game. The history that we were trying to make, I I think some of it might be in peril uh, if the result doesn't go this way with regards to what LFC would look achievable a couple weeks. I think they'll still hit some of those. I think the Carlos Vela pursuit for uh, 31 goals is going to be a tough sledding for him because he's missed... Two and a half games. Yeah. He's going to have to hit the ground running. He's going to have to. He's going to have to get a goal here. I think the tally, for, LAFC did get two goals. That keeps them on track for that Galaxy record. Uh, LAFC, it's 76. It's 85. 85. 85. And then the supporter shield, they're at 63 and it's 72. So Yeah, not nine points from five I games they, is completely doable. That but one, you're right. still, some, that one some I think is the, be, the one that you could probably, yeah, some kind you, of result. you have the best bet at. Some kind of result here. Obviously, we've, uh, the the goal differential, I believe we're we're still better than it, but uh, it could change. So you need to you need to keep getting positive results to kind of push that up. Um, yeah, some of the records are are possibly in doubt, and I think I think these are important records to the team. But also, you know, Carlos sat out those games. It, it, Bob told us during the week if it would have been a final this weekend, Carlos is playing. Yeah, it wasn't a final. So that yeah. tells you what you it's, need to know. The target is still there for all of them, and I know that's going to inspire the club. I, I know it's important. We know it's important to them. Yeah. So it's still there, and I think from a viewing perspective, you'll be able to enjoy that. You can see that game on Saturday on YouTube TV. Check up the local listings. We'll have a bunch of programming ahead of it. So yep. there we are. Are you ready for Rich? Yeah. All right. That's, that's a big statement. You got, we got to get ready. We also want to let you know that we have the mailbag. We asked for some questions. We got some from you. We will be hitting that at the back end of... Inside LAFC, MVP will be back.
All right, we're back here on Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. We're very thrilled to welcome in for the first time, won't be the last, Richard Roscoe, Executive VP, Branded Community of LAFC. Everyone, I mean, I, I don't even know if I have to introduce you, really, because everyone who's listening knows exactly who you are. LAFC Rich on Instagram, so I need to know. <laughs> But a very, very rare. After Tumpen, you're also the second person I I met on this club because you're That's everywhere. True. Yeah, and I'm going to acknowledge Tom Penn right now because he brought you to us and was a believer from day one. Is that a good thing? Well, he kind of forced us on you. <laughs> which, you know, if you talk, I, I thought you were going to. I want to file a complaint to Tom who hired me. And, talk to me and Seth. We'll say that. But um, uh, monster acknowledgement. He saw it in you from day one, and we were even talking about at lunch today when we saw you walking down the street by yourself looking all lonely. Um, that uh, I got that look down. Yeah, but you're so in it and you uh, breathe and live it and you bring so much uh, to the club. And uh, so we talked about that at lunch today. So I'm going to acknowledge Tom for forcing you onto us and then you for bringing it every day, Max Bretos. Oh, I think I can leave it there. Let's close hey, thanks, Rich. That was a great pod. <laughs> now let's talk about Vince. <laughs> what do you think about that, Vince? You guys, do you want me to leave? You guys can just have like a little love fest and I can, I can just hang out. Later, by the way, Vince was a referral to me also by my buddy. He's been here for so long, so that's yeah. why he doesn't. Not a, oh boy, I mean, kind of. Two but years. I, I, I like to consider myself as part of like phase two of the club. You were. Yeah, yeah right? Were. Like that's how you would yeah. put it. It was the OG early crew who were right. dreaming and had nothing and then we were able to add to the starting 11 with guys like Max and, and Vince and my buddy Jake Alba at Fox Sports. Uh, we had the position open. And uh, he said, you got to talk to my guy, Vince, in the office. And uh, the rest the rest is history. Then you came in with your uh, your Italy tattoos. And uh, how do you say no to the guy like that? Jake, I remember I told you that Jake, like in the middle of our Fox Sports office, he goes, you should, you should work there. I go, yeah, it's, it seems like a great club because I had something on my desk. And I like, so he goes, no, you should, you should go work there. <laughs> and he just kept saying it. And I was like, man, you're going to get me in trouble right now. And then I went and go and found him in his editing bay. I said, actually, you know, I tried to work there at one point. It just didn't work out. He goes, well, I got someone you got to talk to. And then it just all took off from there. This is a big love fest. Max and Vince. Well, welcome. I've been, I worked at a lot of places. And when I arrive here, everyone, there's general love, if not very, very high fondness of everyone that it works as a well-oiled machine. I worked at a lot of places where it's not like that all the time. So I, I notice it. I notice it abundantly clear. And that's a credit to the folks in the hiring positions to bring the right people. Because there's a good, I see the good synergy. I really enjoy working. And actually, since we're giving ourselves all the big group hug, um, <laughs> it's a big reason why LFC works. Yeah. Whether it's a thousand, know, if, if the inside, percent. if the inside's heartbeat was not matching the outside, it would never connect. And people from the outside feel it because they see all of us who are passionate about the sport, the culture, the city, um, and just the community. And you can't can't fake that when you have 100 plus people on staff because so many of us touch so many people in the city every day. And if it was fake, it would have been smelled out a long time ago. So yeah. thank God it's not fake. Well, I, we notice it and I know everyone from the outside looking in notices it as well. And that's why they want to imitate it, but you can't, it's, you can't force you can't it. can't do that. You can't do it. All right, we, we'll have some good stories to talk about, but I know we, me and uh, Vince mentioned we'd love to talk about, because it just happened, the rivalry, LAFC, Galaxy. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. There's two games. I mean, this, that really, we had a season to go on. It was overwhelming. We're all like locked in on say, how do we handle this? What do we do? How do we squeeze the lemon the most to get the most out of these two games? How do you think we've treated it thus far, this rivalry now it's two years old? I think um, very early before we had kicked the ball, we 
we're open to all ideas, all collaboration. Uh, we met with the folks down south in the 110 in an open spirit to build and grow the game here in LA and the culture in LA. And we were nothing. We hadn't kicked a ball yet. Um, the There wasn't a mutual group hug embrace of how we can create something magical here. The tone and uh, there's a little bit of a resistance that we had to prove ourselves. Uh, understandable because they weren't inside of our own heads. They didn't understand the fire of all of us in the inside of what we knew it could be. And I'm not, I'm not surprised that we became what we became because those of us in the inner circle, we all knew it and we felt it. We all felt the power of the culture of football and we knew that we could create it within our environment. So I won't, I won't fault them for not, you know, listening to our crazy talk, so to speak, that we were going to bring it from day one and be rivals from day one. We believed it, uh, but by them not necessarily embracing it or accepting it or collaborating out of the gate, I think that looking back on it, probably a good thing because that made the chip on our shoulder even bigger. It made the chip on our supporter's shoulder even bigger. And it was time to prove again, to prove everyone wrong. So looking back on it, Thanks for not believing us. <laughs> well, the reason why we want to bring it up after we had the love fest was Max and I have had conversations, even just doing the podcast, like doing the preview before the last Galaxy Max mat, match. And Max has said to me, you know, I don't know how I feel about the hashtag. Go, what what hashtag? See, to me now, it's just whatever. Because when I write the hashtag all the time, he goes, LAFC v Gal. What? I don't know. I go, well, it's just their name backwards. I mean, it's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> and so like we write, he goes, yeah, but I just, I it just, I feel like, you know, it'd be bigger if we just, we really admitted certain things. And so I want you to kind of take, LA take, LA. take that on with Max. I want, I want a little conflict right. resolution now Stirring on why we do that. Of course, we had the love fest. Now let's do the conflict. We, we, we wanted to really celebrate facts and they are of the city. However, we are in the city. Uh, and I think a lot of that was the chip on the shoulder that was created early, to be honest. Uh, I, I probably would have been or we would have been love fest group hug Los Angeles if that's how we would have been embraced, but we were not embraced that way. So then when you get down to the facts and you talk about our mayor versus their mayor, like those are actually facts on paper. So yes, it's a, it's in a playful way. Yes, it's factual. You could Wikipedia it. Um, but for us, it was just a way to create our own identity. You can't take away our identity in the heart of the city, period. We were very, very fortunate we want to thank our ownership group for grabbing uh, Expo Park and and the old sports arena and that uh, that piece of land was like an amazing find for us and an amazing capture. So props to to Tom Penn and Larry Friedman and uh, Benny Tran for all his hard work and uh, you know Bennett Brandon and uh, Larry Berg for putting that flag down in the heart of the city. So I think a lot of it was we are the only club in the heart heart. Let's go for it. Let's not. Let's be bold. Um, it is who we are. There's no dancing around it. And again, when you get right down to it, you go right back down to mayors, and we have a different mayor. They have the <laughs> the mayor of Carson. They also have a, their own city council and their own in IKEA school board and an IKEA. There's a KFC there, I, and I, I get all that. I've, I was always very respectful for the Galaxy because I remember when this league was in the in the backwaters. That facility meant a lot because it was the first real. So I, I saw that and I, I do understand it going out there. By the way, when you mentioned the plot of land at Expo Park, there was times coming to L.A. I don't think they were ever going to knock down the sports arena, even though it was empty. Yeah. 
I just thought, because I'd see it on commercials all the time. I go, are they going to use it as, for commercial space? So I understand how difficult it must have been to get that plot of land. And my hat's off to those. I, that's safe to say, correct? It's That yeah. must have moved gold. heaven and earth yeah. to get that Heaven, plot. earth, gold, heart, vision. A lot of work. Right? The city yeah. and the park had to believe in our vision. Um, very thankful for that. And then, you know, yes, we are playful at times, but we do have monster respect for the history of football in the city. Um, Galaxy, obviously, here from day one. All of us have friends and family who are Galaxy fans. Um, and, you know, for us, a monster respect for that. For us, you know, it's like a it's like a sibling. We're here. Uh, it's the noisy neighbor back in the day in Manchester talk. And we're here and we're knocking it back down. And we do have a different identity and we're going to keep putting gas on that. We are growing faster than all of us can even imagine the you know it was really funny early back in the day you know we were heckled for all we were was a cap back in the day beautiful beautiful because the cap was the trojan horse that that got into the city so to speak and the cap has now turned into a symbol of our club uh, which is amazing. And every single time we see more and more of those caps out, they're not stopping. Those caps are multiplying. Um, so that's worldwide. Again, yeah, worldwide, mm-hmm. worldwide. But again, respect to the history of football in the city, a hundred percent. And for us, you know, all we can do is look forward and create an identity that we feel good about and we feel authentic about. And that's what we're putting gas on. And again, if we didn't have as big of a chip on our shoulder, I think our tone might be a little different. But Fair. it's on, and no, 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 nobody was in those early meetings. Nobody had the exact experiences we had face to face, and nobody has met the amount of doubters that we met very early. So the people who've been here from phase one and phase two with Vince, you probably felt it when you came in because we were still in the building phase. Those of us who were here early, like you're not going to put out that fire that we've accomplished the impossible and we've done it as a as a community. Period. It was staff, it was players, it was soccer ops. If Bob and John didn't believe in the culture out of the gate, it would not have worked. It would not have synced. If our supporter group leaders didn't mobilize and and really lead their peers like they have been, it wouldn't work. So it's been a monster group effort to prove everyone wrong, but also so you know, we feel like we have a big part of, of letting the world know that Football culture in LA is a beautiful thing, and it hopefully will become even more beautiful with this rivalry and the heat. Yeah, I want LA to run the, and I'll, I'll hand it off to Vinter, but I want LA to run this league with regards to the rivalries. I want Portland and Seattle to go, we can't touch that. Uh, New York teams say we can't touch that. And I, I everything that's been done is done in the right way because I see that development. I, I think what strengthens those binds, I think we'll see it one day where, I mean, that I love the Carson chant I love, and that was very organic. But one day when it's looked at as a true L.A. rivalry, whether the location or what have you, there's an L.A. rivalry. Because I think of the great ones and it's the noisy neighbor, as you mentioned. There's no there's no even no Manchester United Stadium is off the beaten path that those are the Manchester clubs more so in Glasgow, where they're right next to each other, more so in Milan, where the two teams play in the same stadium. I don't know if that would ever work. Or Liverpool, never or, yeah, across or the Liverpool. Park. I, I think that'll take it. I always tell him, I think this league could, this league could have a third LA team at some point because it's so big and there's such a there's such an audience for it. So um, I'll leave it at that. And um, but here I'll ask you guys a question. This we always have it. Do you would you like to see the Galaxy make or miss the postseason? Because for me, I'd like them to squeak in just for the LA part. I don't want them to knock us out. 
I don't want the, I want them in there so I know LA is shaking their head in here. <laughs> I know one of us we may have lost some, our heads. We may have lost some subscribers. You, lost, you, lost, you might have lost two of us. <laughs> but that's how I feel about the city rivalry. I want them in and I'll say, all right, you do it. But when Max, we come to us, we're soft. taking care of business. You're a little softer, Max. It's always a two-parter for me. I always tell Max, no, I don't want them to make the playoffs, but if they do, we're happy to knock them out. <laughs> But I think back to your other point, I think you segue great into kind of what I wanted to talk about was it does seem like we're in the genesis of a possible golden age of soccer in Los Angeles in the bigger picture is Los Angeles. And what astounds me is the amount of media people that we get that show up and they they still continue to say like, how is this a thing already? And and so, but what I want to ask you is because obviously it's a thing. Like it's it's plain to see. You can right in front of your face. But what I want to ask you is, You've seen the jump from year one. We knew it was going to be a thing, and it was. And it exceeded expectations year one. Year two, I can't even describe how exponentially it's grown. So what I want to ask you is where you see sure. now we're going. I mean, is there going to is there another huge jump? Like I said, it feels like a golden age of football is coming in. But what do you – you're you're close on the ground with, with our supporters and with kind of the vision that they have, and you help kind of move some of those pieces around and mold it. So where do you, what do you see as the next step in this rivalry? So I'll scare our rivals now and not just – here in the city is that I believe, and I think many of us believe we have not hit the tipping point. It's, it's happening right now. It's going to happen in season three. It could happen in season four. The, you know, we're all praying that the season ends well with some silverware. So my, my prediction, we haven't even seen the beginning, the, the fire and energy in the stadium. And I think you guys know this. It's, there's a mix. There's avid, football fans who never resonated to other clubs. There's the casual sports fan who watched the World Cup, watches the World Cup every four years, and I always say has a Brazil jersey in their closet. There's a giant group of people in our stadium that are on their very first journey with football culture, with supporter culture, with a North End, with singing for 90 plus minutes. When the opponent scores, the North End gets louder. Like, there's so many people in the stadium who've never been to Europe or South America to feel this. I've been to 26 stadiums around the world. I felt it. I knew that we didn't have to teach football in LA. Vince was here. Max was here. I was here. I could name a hundred friends of ours who love the culture from a scale of one to 10. And we just, we wanted the two things supporters asked for from the beginning was safe standing and a supporters bar. So when we put our heads down and again, props to stadium Benny for leading the charge and, and, and LFC Pat, when we wrapped our heads around how to pull that off, what we did what we did was we built a new home for the people who were here that were not being spoken to. Um, I believe Scott French wrote an early article about the LFC was the home of, to the disenfranchised. In in a in a fun way, in a us against the world way, sure. I think it was true. You see it. The North End showed up on day one, day one. It didn't take two years to show up. It didn't take eight weeks to show up. They were there day one, and we knew that we had won in the streets before we kicked the ball. We felt it. We saw it. We we knew it. It was there before we kicked the ball. So now that the build, the field, soccer ops were winning, when that connects with the heartbeat in the stands, so that's why I really think we haven't even hit it, which is very exciting for all of us and also a responsibility. Going back to the rivalry, you know, our, our ethos inside is inside the stadium fire. Fire, fire, fire. If you're at the Bank California Stadium and you're wearing white on a rivalry game, like, fire. Outside beers. 
Let's get the barbecue going. Let's get the beers going. Let's you know yeah, maybe maybe singing each other. But I want to give you the bro hug outside the stadium, not inside. And that's what we want to create here. And that's really exciting for all of us to a be. We, we need to take it very seriously. We have the responsibility to create that environment. And that's how that's the approach we're taking as a club. We're not poking the bear. LFC's not poking the bear with certain marketing activities outside or advertising or billboard placements outside of our stadium. We're not trying to poke the bear. Even you on Twitter. Yeah, very even on Twitter. I mean, there was, some, there was one team who acted like they won the World Cup. If you ever want to see an MLS team act like they won the World Cup after tying us, you should, you should have checked out our rivals' social media after the tie. So we're not, we're not in the poke the bear mode because we don't need to poke the bear because it's already hot. It's already hot in the ground, so we feel like we want to take the responsibility of creating as positive of a rivalry environment as possible for everyone, for fans, for staff, for our partners, for the league. So that's the torch that we want to carry. It's not going to be poking the bear and uh, heckling people. Well, one of those big things is the LFC away days as well, right? Because that's uh, you got a heat check uh, uh, on the supporters and kind of where they're at. And I think one of the biggest things is we, we travel well, we travel loud, we travel a lot, but we always seem to leave a city with a, with a new respect, even from big time rivals, even from, let's say, Portland. Portland is a side that, you know, are just below the galaxy on our rivalry list, but we seem like we've, uh, you know, gaining the kind of respect of the Timbers Army. Uh, it wasn't something that we necessarily sought, but we definitely brought it and now we have it. Um, Tell us a little bit about away days. You get to go on some of those trips. Max and I are sometimes back back at home, either on the Twitter machine on, on my end, or he's calling I did, I the did games. The Portland trip, which I saw firsthand, was was blown away. So that was. Uh, so I wish we could do more often. I, the one I regret is not going to the San Jose trip. I think we're we could have met, but I, in hindsight, I would have been there too because that was a visual zombie, overwhelming. It was the Walking image. Dead. Yeah. It was. Someone coined that. That was exactly what it was. Like, it's zombies walking yeah. through. So Al Rate, Al's our match day uh, presentation director, and he got into the stadium early and shot from the top of Avaya, all of us coming through the dirt parking lot, barbed wire fences. Like, it literally looked like The Walking Dead. But I would say it was The Walking Dead of joy. We were just singing. We were bringing it. What's exciting about away days, Vince, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, Seattle this year, for example. It was really interesting. First of all, monster props to our 3252 leadership. Um, Jimmy Lopez, Mo Fascio, uh, Julio, Gil, Christian, Oscar, Ray, Commander, everybody, um, all the groups, because the culture we've created is people are hearing about these away days and the reinforcements are coming. So Seattle this year, our, our normal top away leadership couldn't make the game for various reasons, a lot of, a lot of away matches, and uh, Gil, I remember Gil Torres from the Cuervos. Gil led the crew in Seattle. We had new people leading chants. I remember Izzy was leading chants. New people were leading chants. And as I walked the three or 400 in Seattle, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know three quarters of the faces who went to Seattle compared to last year's Seattle. And that is another touch point that we're growing and there's reinforcements coming and it's bigger than we all think. And then when you meet these people and you ask them, you know, why like some people drew from, drove from Eugene, Oregon, other people, their cousin, they heard it was such a great time. They wanted to come for the first time, but man, when they jumped in the pit with the other supporters, like that, it sounded 
just like the OGs. So that's when you know something special is happening. And, and in a way, travel is a good litmus test for the strength of your community. San Jose, every single away match now, the main ones are bigger in attendance than they were last year. And that's obviously, again, a sign that the tipping point has not come. I cannot imagine San Jose next year. Portland, I think we were 800 strong. We heard that we were bigger than even Seattle contingents that go to Portland. Yeah. If you were in the stadium, you knew that we sang more than the they Timbers Army did. They took two sections. When I've been at the Portland game. Usually that one section, but LFC got two yep. sections from the, like an overflow of fans. Yeah, so imagine, and I'll let everybody use their imagination, and anybody listening, bring it. Do not miss these matches. Get to Portland, get to San Jose, get to Seattle, but imagine the numbers next year. Yeah, I mean, what... We talked about leaving a mark on, on the fans of the places we go to away days, but you, you talked to MLS people, and, and then also you talked about traveling to other stadiums around. What What's the, the litmus test? What what are you seeing? What are you hearing when, when they're seeing our home crowd? And then they're also you're also saying, hey, guess what? I got 1,000 guys that traveled 2,500 miles, which in places like Germany, places like England, there's no such trap. There's no trip of that distance. That is That is like Champions League. That is Manchester to Shakhtar which all Manchester teams are like, please don't give us that. Please don't give us that because they don't want to go there. So what? what's the response you get from that? And can you compare, like, do they compare it to anything? Do they compare it to that? And what do they say? Yeah, it, it's exciting. Number one, I'm proud of all of us. Uh, Pat Abelis and Robbie Gomez and Ben Chi are usually leading the charge with the away travel. And as we deal with other MLS club staffs, uh, a, you know, they don't know what's coming. All they hear, the numbers are coming. And that would give some tremors to most folks in operations and stadium security if you're Salt Lake or another market. But B, when they meet, you know, Pat, Ben and Robbie and myself and all of you guys, and then they see the joy in the stands in an away game, they understand that the reason those 50 or 100 or 500 people are singing their, their lungs out is for pride and for pride in their own club, that it's a, it's very pure and authentic. It's not about causing havoc. There's always going to be, you know, me and Vince having a couple too many beers and, uh, you know, Vince might throw one over. You never know. Uh, sorry, Salt Lake. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, you, you can't script this culture. So if you want a passionate league and you want passionate supporters and you want passionate clubs, you know, you can't script at all. I think what we could do is protect and hug the heartbeat everywhere. So we learned that from Borussia Dortmund. When we went to travel there and we brought our supporter group leaders, everything was about protecting the heartbeat and watering the heartbeat and making sure we have great leadership and we have that. So when we do have incidents, let's say on the outside, you know, we just deal with them one by one, like we have done with everything. And it's not about, we're not labeling groups or labeling all away fans or labeling all LFC supporters and our, our detractors and the folks doubting us love to lump our North End as one thing or a supporter group is one thing. And I think that's been the biggest mistake in working with and cultivating supporter group culture in MLS is a lot of the people in our ears early before me and Pat had met everybody, a lot of the people in our ears were, you know, uh, ban the group, you know, take out the group. And for us, it was about Max. Bratos had too many beers. That's it. Kick Max out for a game. And guess what? We're all going to do it together because we I know apologize for when, when Max is sloppy drunk at RSL throwing beers <laughs> right, sorry, at little kids, like it doesn't work. Um, but we wanted to take the one by one approach to building a culture and not labeling everybody in a group because that it's not fair. Hope people are responsible too. Yeah. And 
I was look this taking it to another level with uh, I covered Major League Soccer when it started. There were no away days. There were no away supporters. Then you'd see like one or two, and I'm like okay, maybe this is the extent of it. And I'll take my hat off to Seattle and Portland at the top of the list for starting that. But what LAFC has done is is created a whole new movement, and I think other clubs will watch and see that and want to imitate it because. But it takes a big responsibility. You can't do every road trip. That's a huge obligation. So uh, to all those who listen to the pod who are part of that, we salute you and thank you for for all those hard works. It makes a huge difference. Uh, I'll leave it at this. Just a real quick thought because you mentioned about the 26 stadiums you visited and the brand that is LAFC. And I feel it when I wear a hat or a jersey, I feel people looking, people as, as like a fashion statement. And I was in London and I was in Paris and at least on one occasion, people came up to mention that they knew what it was. If you felt that, and where do you see this as a brand? Same question about where the club is going, but this brand of LAFC going in 20 years or so. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a world club. I think it's going to be a club where you mentioned on that maybe past when we're done, but I think that's kind of the direction it's headed. I believe our, if we stay true to our current identity, which is if you look at our social media bios, it's our bio is there on purpose. It's the heart of Los Angeles and our approach, our energy is street by street, block by block, one by one. That's forward. That's building. That energy is not looking in the past. It's about grabbing your neighbor and coming to experience something together. If you get to the root of football culture, it's me and Vince having a pint, whether we're in Italy or Mexico or South America, it's as simple as that quality time together um, we could talk politics, we could talk city, we could talk family, but we're there together. And that's what the magic of sport is and especially football culture. So if we stay true to, you know, the stadium is, is the heart of the city and we believe everybody who walks in, even if you're a first timer and you're a tourist from Brazil to the season ticket member that we are all representing the heart of Los Angeles at that time, we are all for Los Angeles and, you know, have that one by one spirit and sensibility to everything we do. I mean, I told you Max this week on the broadcast, uh, shout out to born slippy. Uh, but you called, you called out Brian on the, on the, um, YouTube broadcast cause you saw him in the stands and you know, you know, people, you know, our community. And if every single one of us take those conversations seriously and don't look over people's shoulders and we don't become a transactional sports, uh, organization, like a lot of teams in LA are, and there's 10 professional teams here. If we all, uh, hug it and take care of it and really appreciate these one-on-one relationships. Every time Vince writes his articles, we're all reading them. And I could tell you put a lot of heart and soul in your writing. I mean, you're probably up till two, three in the morning at times. I'm sure after games, am I right? Yep. Yeah. He just said, yes. Yep. Hard, hardcore. Yeah. Oh. But no, nobody's asking Vince to do that. No. And actually it's one of the things that I, I set up and had done it, decided I wanted to do it right after games and then felt, yeah, you feel a responsibility. And I think that's what you're trying. You take ownership. You feel responsibility because once somebody pulls you in and says, hey, you're a part of this, you're one of many, but you are a part of this and you have a part to play, you feel like you have to do it. And it, and it's something that, look, it's work. But at the end of the day, you you want to do it because you don't want to let down that person that brought you in and the people that are going to come after you as well. Yeah, too many organizations, they get fixated on scalability, especially in sports. How do I sell more tickets? How do I sell more merch? That's not the first question we ask in here. It's how is our experience better? How does the match day get better? How do our events get better? How do we interact better with our community? How do we become more of a force for good? How do we become more consistent? And I think if we stay true to that in the next 20 years 
and we don't look over people's shoulder, no matter who you are. I tell everybody uh, in here, in our branded community group, we try to say yes more than we say no. Because a lot of us have, we get all kinds of requests for everything you can imagine, as you can imagine, autographs, jerseys, et cetera. And in your busy day, it could be easy to dismiss the small requests. And if we all stay focused on saying, trying to say, do our best to say yes more than we say no, we're going to continue to build the community like we have today, which is, I think, a beautiful thing. Yeah, it takes everything takes care of itself at that point. Oh, look at that. We, we have, have some hecklers. Some uh, of the hecklers coming. outside my office. We are in Rich's uh, Alex office. Alex This is, the audio in here is fantastic. We should, can we just set up and record from here? Yeah, not many people get in here. This is, <laughs> it's just the acoustic, there's no acoustic because it's just, it's like a proper studio. It's very cozy. Well, Rich, that was wonderful. I got to say, after this conversation, I really feel like a beer. All this beer talk and pints and you throwing beers. Max, let's just go spend uh, some have, time together. We have some sponsorships. We uh, do actually have some beers on the premises, but we'll wait till five o'clock. Yeah. If not, I'll take. I'll, I'll put down a Jaritos in a heartbeat. It's delicious. The great oh, I want to thank you guys for uh, keeping the uh, podcast grind and uh, telling our story, which oh, is great. This so is fun. Thank you guys. All right. Richard Roscoe joining us here on Inside LFC with Max and Vince. We'll be hitting the mailbag when we return, so uh, stick around. Ciao. Okay, we're back here on Inside LAFC. We've recorded this. We've recorded three segments of this podcast in three different Three different locations. Three different locations here at the uh, world-famous 818 LAFC offices in beautiful downtown Los Angeles. Uh, By the way, I'm going to Brazil, Peru later. I'm so excited about perusing around downtown LA later, maybe grabbing a a frosty cold one here, getting on the train, which you just showed me how to do, and I'm going to get down there, and I'm just, I'm really excited. Downtown's awesome. Downtown's awesome. And it's this place 20 years from now is going to look completely different. It amazes me the amount of people from LAFC I've like taught to use the train. Yeah. Use public transportation, people. You should it's mention, weird, man. As they, as, they, as they used to say, people in LA love their cars. You should, you should mention that in our third location, we have a pretty good vista of downtown. We have an incredible view. Incredible. I'm, I'm so honored to say I work where we work. Well, it's a pain well, in the butt to get here at 7.30 or 8 a.m. Yeah, parking's not great, and uh, driving's not great, but once you're here, you're family. Once you're here. Well, no, you are. <laughs> we do have that toll road from where I come up from Redondo Beach, so if you want to pay 10 bucks yeah. or something, you can yeah. do it in a pinch, it's running expensive. late. Yeah, if you're running late, which if you're Max, you're running late. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> oh, sorry, I outed you. <laughs> no, that's, uh, I'm usually on time for, the, for certain things, but some meetings here and there. Oh, so wait, late. if you're always late when you're coming to me, I get it. I see. You're always late when you're doing things with me. I, I see how it is. Well, I get like it. Bernard, our producer at you're TV. You're on time for I, Bernard. Yeah, I'm not late. Yeah. yeah, okay. I'm terrified of being late for him. Yeah, I'm scared of Bernard too, so. Okay. Mailbag. We, we did a mailbag and there were some popular questions. And yeah, you guys, we came, will... you guys came out. Brought, I, I was actually, every time I do this, I feel like I'm worried. Like, no, I'm going to put it out there and one person's going to go, hey, Vince, and not actually ask, ask a question, but you guys bring out questions, so we'll, we're down right. to answer them. Well, we're going to lump a bunch of them in one category. I want to read what Marvin Chavez wrote. Hello, Marvin. Thanks for, for dropping us a tweet. Said he's very concerned Vancouver, Colorado, Portland, Minnesota won in similar fashion. It's pretty accurate, right? You know, yes. nine-man walls, he described it. Yep. How does LAFC overcome that and uh, 
is there a reason to be concerned? I guess more of the other people kind of said, saying, is this, re- this going to be our downfall? So there you go. Four losses with teams bunkering down. And what do you say about that, Vince? Yeah, we got quite a Walk few. Walk them off the ledge. Yeah, quite a few questions of this similar uh, kind of setup where it was, seems like teams have figured us out. What do we do to change tactics? Are we going to rely on our football? I know Bob loves to say our football, and I'm going to break that down for you a little more. Let me start with the first one that's actually a little bit easier, and I need to talk people down from the ledge. Teams have not figured us out. We've lost four times. We are still on pace. Right. If they figured us out, we would be, we would have um, lost much we'd be more. in the, the quagmire and head looking for a playoff spot. What's weird is in this run that we kind of talked about with Orlando where we, have, we are winless in the last three, which it seems like if these are your darkest days, I got a lot of MLS teams that would be very happy to take this. But let me say this. In that time period, these three games without a win come after a period five of straight five wins, straight right? wins, six undefeated, Eight wins in 10. So no, teams have not figured us out. So let's just put that there. I actually made the mistake one time of wording a question to Bob saying, do you think teams have figured you out? Ooh. It's you one learned. thing for a team to beat you. Don't ask figure Bob you that. Out. But I'll also say this. If you're a team and you don't kind of have an idea how LFC plays by now, all your coaching staff should be fired. It's not about... So, so to segue into what's going to happen, it's not about knowing what's coming. It's about being able to stop it and or keep LFC from being sharp. Those teams that have come in, and we've said this in the Minnesota episode when I went on my rant about blueprints, they come in with a strategy that basically opens the door just a little bit more of a crack. I would not say it's figured out. Figured out would be if a team rolls in and has 60 to 70% of the possession and LAFC is just pinned absolutely to their to their defensive end, playing in a low block, scattered everywhere, just you know chickens with heads cut off. This is not the case. The Minnesota game was 70% possession, about 800 passes, 20 shots. I mean, this is not figured a team out. This is basically giving yourself a slender margin to win. And if you hit some golazos, congratulations, Minnesota. Here's three points. I'm not saying that's I. you want that to happen, but just get that. Let's try to get that straight. Let's, let's be realistic. And that's, that is not me with rose-colored glasses. I'm giving you just straight facts there. Now, this, the flip side of that is, what are we going to do to figure it out? And, I, and I, I saw a lot of people talking about, is Bob, Bob going to still rely on his football ideas? I think we need to make a delineation, and I don't mean to talk down on anyone or, or, or really you know, try to out anyone for not knowing their soccer, but you need to delineate between tactics and game model and or principles of play. When Bob talks about our football, he is not talking necessarily about tactics. Tactics are more individualized. They are things like second balls. They are if this team is pushing to, to width and wants to send crosses, how do you counteract that? What Bob is talking about is a game model. We have a game model. Within the game model, there are different tactical areas to deal with second balls, things like that. But the game model itself is this. We want to use the ball. We want to use it in central areas. You get into central areas, why? Because you have 180 degree of the field and you can basically pick windows. Panoramic. Yeah, well you're looking, think about it, think about a defender. You play from a wide areas. The only way place to go from a wide area is back inside. That defender has one or two options of what he has to cover. You play from inside areas like Edward Atuesta, your defender that's basically checking runners, checking your shoulder back and forth. You've got a lot to cover. You've got to cover in front. You've got to cover your left and right. You've got to cover behind. Those are the instances. That is the game model that LFC wants to use the ball in those areas in order to make that happen. That's part of our football. Another part of our football is when we lose the ball, we want to defend where we are, defend with reactions, and we want to get the ball back quickly. Why? You win the ball high up the pitch. That basically scatters the team. You go in transition. You can create opportunities. Now, when Bob says play our football, 
that does not mean there's not tactical nuances. This is fascinating, Vince. You're really breaking down the, the lexicon of Bob. But what I'm saying is, and this is not just Bob, this is, this is across the board. So when you watch any kind of soccer game, every team, sorry, not every team, most teams, good teams, have a game model and one that they try to stay true to. And then within them, there's tactics that they want to do. So I saw a question about Galaxy. We, we changed the way we played in the second half to counteract the Galaxy. Yes and no. Did the game model change? No. Absolutely, we played the ball on the ground. We tried to use the ball, tried to get in central areas, tried to create windows and advantages across the pitch by getting in those central areas. Tactically, yeah, we did a few things tactically. We, we maybe drew them out a little bit more, spaced them a little bit more, maybe didn't go as fast. I mean, one of the big things in that second Galaxy match was we were trying to get the home run pass right away. When you're passing 10 to 15 yards up the field, your counter press has a very difficult time. It's a roulette table. It's a yeah. roulette board at that yeah, point. You hit that pass, that's great. And there was times where we came very close to that pass. That pass gets cut out, and if that pass gets cut out half the distance of where it's supposed to be, not only have you disconnected from the guys you're trying to pass to, but now you're trying to make up 10 yards in the span of a couple seconds, the Galaxy showed that they can play in transition, they can make you pay. So again, not a change of how our football, just a change of the tactics. So I just want to make sure that we are on the same page the game model will remain the same. Our football will remain the same. Yes, tactics change. Maybe we, maybe you and I, Max, will try. I'll try my best to try to show you how within the within this course of a match, Bob has changed tactics. For the most part, no, we do keep the same thing because we're a winning team. <laughs> we have 19 wins. We don't necessarily need to change tactics. Like Bob said, and I think it was the most OG cool thing I think I've ever heard him say is, we don't change other teams. They change to us. Ooh. And guaranteed that that's what Barcelona says. That's what Man City says. That's what Real Madrid says. They play their football. And so I don't want to say for better or for worse because it hasn't really been worse. But for better or for worse, we play our football and we believe in our football. And the answer is we just do our football better. But yes, there are little tactical huh. tweaks to deal with second balls, deal with teams that are playing direct. Uh, I remember the San Jose game. Bob talked about, or sorry, San Jose and Open Cup. Bob talked about how in the first half they got a lot of chances. And I remember that game was a lot closer in that first half. And he said, specifically, they were trying to play to Espinosa and they were just getting the ball, not even really looking, just hitting that ball over Jordan. So what did they do? They told Jordan, hey, why don't you go ahead and just be a little bit more conservative, be a little bit more back. They're trying to hit us right in that exact spot every single time. That's an, that's, is the definition of tactics within the game model. If that makes enough yeah, sense. I, I think feel, I talked a lot yeah, right there. I feel like we touched... Touch, touch, Touch the nerve right there, Vince. I know. Man. They said I came into yeah. the office hot today. And yeah, I well, uh, thanks for that question, everybody. Yeah. Really, You did kind of come in a little the, the hot. The question set it off. I think we already, right. already did my Burhalter talk. I, I, was just, I came in a little hot. And just to, uh, <laughs> just to, to close on it, first of all, the three-game streak, all things considered, it's one loss in that stretch. So it's, it's while it, it may give you reason to panic based on what's happened prior, and it's definitely LAFC, a victim of your own success based mm-hmm. on what's happened. It's not a cataclysmic stretch. And hopefully LFC will be able to get out of that as they tend to do time and time again next week. All right. So um, I would also say that we've seen that those tactics used and LFC has beaten them time and time again. The yeah. first Portland no game. No one seems to remember when we actually broke teams open. and then Yeah, not, uh, the Montreal you know, game it's, it's where six, it was like, look at that. They're yeah. getting, and then bang, bang. And then all of a sudden you it's got five, teams. It's 5-2, 6-1. I mean. They're, they're, these teams, are, these defenses are literally on fire going, ah, yeah. looking for a trough to jump in. That is the thought bubble to the defender's head. Yeah. Exactly what you just did. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's continue on here. Julian or Julian Salas writes, shouldn't the Galaxy be very scared of the future of LAFC. He went on a little bit, but I just like that sentence. And is that something we can tackle 
a little bit. You can go ahead and start and I'll... Well, we both concurred on this. We did. And we felt, you know, I mean, if you guys think we're biased, we can be objective. I, we both thought, you know, the Galaxy are the ones that are near rock bottom. If anybody yeah. has anywhere to go... It's up for them. They have a lot of good signs yeah. brewing around that franchise. For as bad as they've been, you look at some of the things they're doing. You, if I was a Galaxy fan, I'd be very optimistic about the coach, about Christian Pavone. Zlatan's not a long-term solution yes. or situation. And when he leaves, all due respect to Zlatan, who is an incredible talent, and he's frustrated LAFC to no end, the Galaxy can become the team they want to be. They have proven that they will spend no matter what. It's been their infrastructure that's been a problem. It seems that they might have figured out that infrastructure a little bit. Now, should we be scared? I don't think so, because now I feel like we've seen an evolution of LAC as well. Brian Rodriguez is part of that. Chiqui Palacios is also part of that. When you snake a player from Barcelona. So I think we look at both of them, and it's just, and we talked about a little bit about it with Rich. It's like this genesis of, a, it looks like a golden age of just, maybe LA is going to run this league, and it should probably, because these two teams, if, if the Galaxy get it right, I don't see LAFC slowing down anytime soon. It just They're going to push each other and continue to push each other on and off the pitch, in the stands, on social media. And so I don't know if you could be scared, but I'm just saying if I, if I look at one team that looks like they have the most room to improve and might do it, I mean, it's naturally Galaxy. They haven't I, I, made the postseason in a couple seasons and might even go three seasons I have this image it. of LAFC first in the West and the Galaxy second, and LA is running the roost as we touched, yeah. talked with Rich Reminds you of bit. when like Inter Milan and AC Milan were the top two they teams. They have ambition. Or, they have money. They have uh, a great stadium. This is a... They have a pipeline now to Argentina, which is as fertile of a ground as we will find in Major League Soccer, even more than Brazil or maybe Uruguay is up there too. But I, I, I agree with you. This is a very... Um, this is a, in a moment where the Galaxy are pretty low. In, it's certainly in their history, which is a very rich one, that I think uh, the, the LAC has got to keep an eye on what's brewing behind them. Because Absolutely. It, 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 I might, mean, it might get really close at some point. We obviously don't. It's not so much a reaction to what they do. I mean, because we've made our moves and we keep kind of pacing along. But yeah, we're, we're, we're aware of what they're doing down south. This is from Francisco. Will the MLS change scheduling so that these international games won't affect the league outcome? Seems unfair to have so many players missing. I'll go here first. You've talked a little bit about this. And I will talk about it, and, and, and I will defend the league in this. They are getting better. It's impossible for them, I think, to break every game. This international week we had is one that you need to take off. Mm -hmm. At least limit the amount of games you have. LAFC had two games over this break window. So... I think you've got to really do your best to try and clear this one because this is the stretch run. LAFC could be in the midst of a playoff chase. I think you look at the case of Minnesota, who missed seven players. If they hadn't beaten LAFC the week prior, they are, their season is hanging over the precipice. They don't win without seven players. They're in a, Seattle, with all the players they're Ten missing, players. Uh, they could have see their season blow up in their face here, even though I think they just have one game over that stretch. But I, I, I'll, I think... And look, we talked to Bob, and he's upset. he has a reason to be upset about it because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But October, which doesn't really help LAFC, we used to break for that, and it would just destroy the playoff format. Yeah. And while LAFC has to wait an extra week now to play, it, it, you don't start and stop the playoffs. So I think that's a step in the right direction, although LAFC is going to have a big break between the end of the regular season, it would appear, mm -hmm. uh, and the beginning of the playoffs. But I think... This season, I think in June and July, they've done a good job of, of at least we're progressing towards clearing up those calories. Unfortunately, the September one needs to be clear, and it wasn't. 
I think they've gone. I would agree they've gone better. I think the one thing I would like to see, and it's not necessarily not playing in a window. I would just like to see, and Bob has mentioned it as well, is teams. I want. I'd like every team to be on the same amount of games played. Wouldn't you? These these game teams with games in hand. Like at this point in the season, wouldn't we like to be able to see a table where every single team has played 29 games? If they can find a way where every week either teams are on or teams are off so that every week we can look at the table and say know where we all are without looking at games in hand, with few exceptions. Look, if you play in the final of the U.S. Open Cup and we have a gap, same as happens with the FA Cup. Every once in a while, a team gets it off because it's just too close. But within reason, if we can get almost every single team on the same page, I think that could do a lot for the scheduling as well. A real quick one, just because it was there. Why can't Dio crack the Norwegian national team? That from Jose Galvez. Yeah. I, I have no, I have no. It's, well, well, Diego Rossi, you said something to me why he can't crack, and it's more a stylistic, stylistic. thing. Where Brian Rodriguez fits how a Uruguay plays. Diego Rossi, not so much, and that's why. Knock on wood, think he's with LFC and scored a really important goal yeah. in Orlando. I, I mean, as of right now, the way Uruguay plays is benefiting someone like Brian Rodriguez, also benefiting someone like Nico Ladero. If Uruguay doesn't play a four-four-two with kind of a uh, a free winger on the left side. Nico Ladero's not in that squad. If yeah. they play a 4-3-3, you're going to see a lot more Diego Rossi. But that's oh, not, Diego Rossi. That's not the way they play. And Dio's probably... Maybe won. he gets... It, Norway's not older. doing well. He's getting a little bit old, but maybe he gets a sniff here Yeah, on the back end of qualifiers. A little bit of Norway's looked, not qualifying for the Euros. No, but it looks like they're going much younger. And yeah. so maybe... And, and you got to remember, this, this coach has been there for three years. Three years ago, Dio was kind of working out his status with a bunch jumping around with teams in England. Maybe he just kind of got lost in the shuffle. And now also he's in California. It's a long ways to ask a guy to go at 30 years old and say, hey, come on out here. I'm not sure if I need you, but come on out here. So it just, it could be a, a whole bunch of factors. I mean, international coaches can be weird as, you know, a lot of players have found out. All these questions kind of surround the first question we had. One said, do you ever see Bob changing it for the postseason like Tata did? No way. I got a point on that. Okay. Uh, for the who who is it that that brought that up? Hold on, I'm scrolling. Uh, Lex Arius. Lex, I can tell that you are a follower of Matt Doyle, which I am a fan of as well, because that is one point that he hammers a lot. I would tend to do, disagree with Matt Doyle there. That's fine. And here's your here's Matt my, throws a lot out there that you can agree Matt or disagree throw, with. Matt throws a lot out there, and he's very good at defending his point. And I think Matt, I don't. I would never argue with Matt. He's too. Know, both gets, of you are too smart for me. I'm just the meat potatoes soccer he guy. It's his mind made up. He's very good at defending it, and he, and he makes good points. I would say this. I think Tata in first season was trying to figure it out. Second season realized, wow, I have some of the best transition attackers in the entire league. And Almiron, Joseph Martinez, Julian Gressel. Why would I not play back when we played them? It was five nil. I don't know if you remember before that game broke wide open. They really sat back and played the way they were going to play in the playoffs. So I don't think this change came all of a sudden in the playoffs. And if you look at the way Tata's playing now with Mexico, this seems to be his preferred way to play. So I would say it was just a, a matter of him figuring it out and not necessarily a change for the playoffs strictly. So long story short, no, Bob will not change for the playoffs. All right. That's but I appreciate the question. I, and I like, I like where his head is at. I like the research. I like that he's reading stuff. And I, I, again, I... I would not. I'd like to lock, buy, I'd like I don't to, want to lock horns with Matt Doyle either. I'd like to invite Matt Doyle to come see a game. Maybe spend a couple days with you. Yeah, Matt. I know you don't like to travel, but come on out to train. come say hello to Bob. Yeah, come say hi to Bob. Look, most of these things kind of crisscross. So I think. Oh, uh, someone talking about uh, Jerry Jerry Reynoso about Walker Zimmerman. So we, it's he was kind of that's kind of the deer in the headlights with a USA learning a new style where yeah. it's. It, my, my one comment, and Jerry, I did go back to read your, it's not your assessment look well. of, of uh, El Trafico. We can agree to dis- disagree on some points. But my one assessment of Walker is maybe he's been a little more timid, and maybe this is a confidence thing. 
I think. And he um, wasn't supposed to start that game. It was supposed to be John Brooks who picks up an injury late and he gets thrust in there. So it's not the yeah. ideal situation. You're happy to represent your country and play Mexico. Mm-hmm. But and you figure at some point you're going to play. But all of a sudden, hey, you're starting. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Walker play with, with high confidence for so long that th- this aspiration seems to be what it is. I mean, if you look at that first goal against Minnesota, I, I actually went back to look at it with one of the analysts and they said, did you, did you notice that when Lee came over, he adjusted his position because Walker adjust, came initially, but then backed off a little bit. Now it is within the game model, which throwback, <laughs> for LFC to go at, especially to defend in transition in twos. So there was no reason why Walker should have dropped. He probably should have gone with Lee, really put pressure on that. Lee adjusts his position. That, def- that uh, attacker happens to be Darwin Quintero, who's a great dribbler. He sees a gap. He springs by both of them. So when I'm looking at that, I'm looking at a defender that maybe doesn't have a little bit of confidence right now. He's hedging his bets. He's kind of dropping off. So maybe Walker, just he's, he's lacking just that little bit of confidence in his tackling um, and needs to just kind of get back to reacting and not thinking. See, I was breaking down Walker's performance of the national team. It's the same. All right, okay. All right, fair enough. We'll, we'll leave this at Jonathan Reamer. We can't answer this. You both love music. Oh, I love this one. But I, I, I I'm few. not prepared for this one. So match up each. No. So match up. Well, let's do this next week. We'll do more next week, but can I, can I? All right. Jonathan Reamer says, you both love music, so match up each player in the LAFC roster with a band or musical genre that defines their style of play. I got two that you're going to love. All right. Go ahead. I almost did this for, for Max's benefit. Latif Blessing, David Bowie. Always changing. Different <laughs> positions. Always reinventing himself. Ch- 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 changes. One time he's the White Duke. Another time he's Ziggy Stardust. Another time he's Latin Sane. So that's that's one, one time he's the European Canon. Yeah. How about that reference? That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, the uh, European Canon is here. Here's here's my other one that I think you like that I'm really proud of. I I paired Edward Atuesta with the Ramones. Why? Because we've talked about how he's always going forward, going forward, going forward. Think of Ramones' music; it's just relentless. One, two, three, four. One, two, there three, four. Goes. Go. Always the same beat, always forward, always going. Oh, wow, you've really impressed me here. Uh, yeah, so you're going to... Those th- are two of my four or five favorite musical group performers. That's what I do. I, I saw the Ramones like 20 times when I was a kid. That I is awesome. I just went there. It was a great concert. That is awesome. So, so you're going to bring... Now it. they're all dead. Now, now for I've one. set the bar. Well, Tommy's still around. Uh, Tommy's alive. And, and Marky, who we can kind of consider an original. Marky, I follow. This is how he talks. See, yeah. Marky. Marky's book is fantastic. I read the book. Have you? Yeah. That, yes. I, I, that's one of the best music uh, autobiographies or biographies that I've written, read yeah. anytime. I highly Very recommend. cerebral for a guy that Blitz counted Creek, off something, four yeah. and then just played. You know, but he Mark, had, he you know, had a Marky, great back. He was in a lot of big bands. He was going to be in the New York Dolls. He was? Yeah. He ended up being in television because television he could, he he could actually in. play. And the New York Dolls and were like... the Voivoids or is it... Yeah, Richard Hell and the Voivoids. Richard Hell and the Voivoids. He, he ended up not being in the Dolls because they were like, yeah, hey man, we just want you to hit the, hit the beats and hit them hard. You, you play too much. Wow. Mark Ramon, and he says a lot, so read the book. Uh, I follow him on Instagram and he's, he, they tour. He has a group and they tour playing Ramon songs. I would like to check that out. I'm sure he'll be in LA. Maybe we'll bring him into the game. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Mark Bell, Mark Ramon. Hey, when I, when I was interviewing for this job, I remember telling... Rich and Larry, I go, just an aside, and I know this means nothing to nothing. I go, do you know what this team reminds me of before they even kicked the ball before anything? He goes, what? I go, Ramones. I go, why? I go, you got the hat, you got kind of a uniform, you got kind of an attitude, a style, and they, they both kind of, I don't, know, I don't know if they went with me on that one, but I, I felt like I made a good point there, so I, I don't know. I got the job, so. Maybe we can, since LA, the 3252 is into these musical tifos, maybe, I don't know why I'm whispering. Maybe a Ramones inspired Maybe tifo. a Ramones tifo. Oh my God, I would Max literally. Max and I will bring a can of paint and we'll get to going. I literally, if I see that get raised in the North End, I will literally start crying. 
That's if cool. I hear, if I hear, whatever song, I'm sure they'll do Blitzkrieg. Oh, Bob. yeah, and we have the drums going with it, our multimedia TIFOs. Anyway. Just putting it out there. Not asking anything. I'm just saying that's my, my set. All right. Thanks to Richard Roscoe. Thanks to you, Vince. I thought we had we did some good work here. Please subscribe to Inside LAFC. Uh, Max, I don't want to sound like I'm begging because the numbers have been going up. We're really happy. People come up to us at the yeah. stadium and say it, so we really appreciate you guys listening, and we're here to serve you guys, and we're here to get you involved as well as we did with the mailbag. Yeah. Any, any, all right? This was a great episode. I had a lot of fun. Me too. Me too. Three different locations. Yeah. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the numbers will prove yeah. that it was a great episode as well. All right, man, a reminder: LAFC Philadelphia on YouTube TV this Saturday. We'll see you next. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.